Chapter 48 of Colonel Greatheart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Ullman. Chapter 48 A Husband or So. You have to lament for Beniah Jones, Corporal of Horse victim of early rising when al sabiad was ridden down in the rout of rupert's horsemen he lay stunned and much bruised he waked to life again in the dawn with beniah jones fumbling at the pockets in a region of his stomach beniah jones was upon the goodly errand of spoiling amalekites and such was his zeal that he rose before dawn to prevent riches falling into the hands of the unrighteous. It happened that al was ticklish. He woke to see the fat jowl of Beniah close above his own. His disgust is reasonable. He expressed it with a passionate zeal in a blow at Beniah's chin. If he had his whole strength, Beniah would hardly have risen again. It sufficed to bring him oblivion. Beniah clucked a little and became livid. Al Sabad sat up and blinked. He ached in various places, but laborious experiment failed to find a fracture. He considered possibilities. It was in the first place not a possibility to sit still. The next saintly plunderer might well have steel ready. But it was hardly a possibility to tell where to go. Colonel Stowe might be in a hundred places in the world or even out of it. If anything might be probable, he was probably with the Puritans or dead. Alcibad, who was a sanguine person, preferred to believe in the Puritans, and remembered then that the Puritans had at least Colonel Stowe's brother, a pleasant if respectable person. Alcibad elected for the brother. So you can find him limping up to the Puritan outpost and inquiring after Major David Stowe. He was bitterly questioned, and his answers so wildly ingenious that they sent a guard with him to Shabbington. David Stowe, as you have seen, has gone to Thame, so that it was late before the surly escort presented him. David Stowe looked the plump, bedraggled figure up and down. What do you want of me? My master, said al Sabad. What have I to do with him? You have the honor to be his brother. David Stowe made an exclamation. Then to the escort, wait you without, I will answer for him. And when the door was shut, now, good fellow, when did you leave him? Smoking his pipe after yesterday's dinner, sir, in his quarters at Oxford. I came back at dusk to find he is thrown into prison. Why? For quarreling with the king, they say. I go as you would yourself to take him out of prison and find that he is escaped. You remember a M. Gilbert Byrne, whom he rescued from you? Bien. M. Gilbert Byrne has rescued him from the king, and they were away together. Whither? I followed them on to Wheatley and came upon Rupert and was ridden down in the rout. I have but lately come to my wits and seek you to seek him. He looked with surprise at the swift emotions changing on David Stowe's face. Thrown into prison by the king, David Stowe repeated. He would scarce be seeking a desperate service for him then. 
God, what does it all mean? A triple chime of the quarter hours rang over the town. He started up. Nay, come, come. They have been trying him long, and he hurried Alcibiade to the door. I do not understand, said Alcibiade with dignity. Who has the insolence to try my master? Man, there was a company of murderers attacked our generals last night, and my brother was taken among them. Alcibiade became stately. Permit me to tell you, sir, that you are mad or you lie. I am mad, I think, cried David Stowe. Come, come, you must tell them all, and hurried him into the house of my Lord Williams, where the court was sitting. It is necessary to consider also the other gentleman in whom Molly was interested, a gentleman of more peaceful fortunes, but hardly less distressed, a victim of unrequited love. As the shadows lengthened in the first of the afternoon, Mr. Stowe, astride a full-barreled cob, rode back from his barley. Out of the diamond eye of the sun, a miller's wain was coming to meet him. In front thereof marched a lean man and a girl in no part lean. They were plainly at violent argument, being further extorted by a man on horseback behind them. Mr. Stowe, with more surprise than pleasure, beheld them turn by his yew hedge and away to the yard. He arrived to find the lean man unloading bundles from the wain, while the lady assisted him with affection. What a pox, said Mr. Stowe, not without excuse. Hey, you are the Frenchman who kissed my cook. Never, cried Matthew Mark, while Miley wailed the faithlessness of men. I am the brother of all good cooks. But yours? No, she has no soul. Then why do you come here, my friend? In few words, sir, hear a sad tale. I am the servant of your son. I can declare that I live only for him. Last night my colonel was cast into prison by the king. Why? I do not know. He swiftly escaped and fled from Oxford. Remained his property. Lest that should be seized, I removed it by strategy. Sir, it is here in your guard. Mr. Stowe said something to himself. And where will Colonel Stowe be gone then, my lad? Hellas, monsieur, said Matthew Mark, turning up his eyes. Well, who knows, said Mr. Stowe to himself, and drew a long breath. He is not a hasty mind. Keen and calmly, he looked at Molly. She will not be my son's property, Matthew Mark coughed. The lady informs me, sir, that she is my wife. And you? It would be ungraceful to deny it, said Matthew Mark. Molly made a courtesy in his direction and a more serious one for Mr. Stowe. Come in, come in, said he. You will be fasting. He shepherded Molly and the miller's man before him. But Matthew Mark lingered. When they turned by the kitchen door, Matthew Mark, on his master's horse, was already some way down the road. He waved his hand through the sunshine. Mr. Stowe stood still gazing at him till he became a black speck against the glare. Then he wiped his eyes. Sure he is a dear, said Molly beside him, and I can wish he were not. End of chapter 48 Recording by Gary Ullman, West Palm Beach, Florida